Heavenly Father, we come before you. We know that uh, there is no way that we can understand your word without the Holy Spirit speaking, illuminating the word of God to us. As we've learned last week, Lord, we come before you. We call out to you and admit our weakness, weakness that perhaps some of us are tired. Some of us are sleepy. Some of us just plain old don't want to be here to listen from you. But, Lord, we come before you with all our weaknesses on the table, all our cards laid open on the table. We ask you that we need you to awaken our soul today. So, Lord, give us ear to listen. God, would you stand in my body, speak through my vocal cord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts this morning be pleasing and acceptable to you. So, would you get glory in this room today? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're starting a new series called Redeem the Screen. Um, you know, I don't know how many of you have Apple Watch. From that 44 millimeter screen to the biggest screen you can get in Times Square in New York. Over 3,986 square feet of, of screen. It's kind of hard to get around the world, even in your own room, in your own school, without finding a screen. The other day I was getting gas at Sam's Club. There was a screen there. Selling me things that are on sale at Sam's Club. When I go into another gas station, there's another screen there that gives me the news of sports. There are screens everywhere. You go to school, there's a screen in almost every classroom. Your teachers have a computer screen. When you're at home, most family has at least one TV, if not two or one per room in a bedroom. As if that's not enough screen, sometimes I've actually been to a, re- a, a restaurant in the, ba- in the bathroom... There is a screen on there for you to keep track of the score. If you go to Dodgers Stadium or most of the, the stadium in a football stadium, there are screens literally in the restroom so that you don't miss any action whatsoever. It is impossible to get, in, get around in this world without having a screen on hand. And if those screens are not enough for you, you can always, always whip out one of these screens from your pocket. If you don't have this screen, you may have this screen. If you have this screen, you may have a laptop screen. You don't have a laptop screen, you may have a PC screen. We are surrounded by screens, isn't it? It's impossible to do away with a screen. We cannot tell you to turn off your screen all the days of your life. Because we live in a world that is saturated with screens. And with the advance of technology of screens, it comes with opportunities for both good and for ill. So some, sometimes the opportunities are filled so badly that it will cause people's injury, physical injury, to the point of comedy. Because I hear, I hear what I want to show you. Let's watch this video together. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
If you need more entertainment, just go home later on YouTube, type in walk and text. Uh, plenty of video of that. But you get the point. Uh, let me read some stats here. I'm, today I'm going to do a little more stat, stat heavy. Um, the National Safety Council estimated 1.5 million car accidents happened this past year was caused by cell phones. This coming year, they predict that 400,000 people will get bodily injury in a car accident because they were texting and driving. 90% of people say we should have text and drive, uh, no texting and drive, driving at the same time type, type of law. But over 50% of those people who support that law will eventually text and drive. And as some of our drivers here, I'm sure you guys are the best drivers there is. You never text and drive. My wife always reminds me not to text and drive. But not only that, right? Smartphones give us ability to get the worst of content in a, in, literally in our fingertip. You can get pornography easier than to find the weather forecast for the year, for, for the week. Studies have shown that over 50% of Christian men between age 18 and 29 acknowledge ongoing use of pornography. And this is not just a men issue, this is also a women-girls issue. Although the proportion got lower, but at the same time, because of the access that we have on the internet, of the screen, we can have all sorts of, all sorts of bad content that we can get connected with. There's like, it's like it's, nowadays you, uh, you, you can be diagnosed uh, with a condition called nomophobia, meaning that you can actually get so anxious that it become a, a mental disease, mental illness, that because you are so anxious not having your phone, that, it, that you have a fear of not having the phone around you. Physically, we know that this is a generation. My kids is the first generation that grew up with screens, all with phones all the time. They don't know of a world there is a phone that's connected to a wall. You know how I know? Because when I buy toys for my kids, they don't have a phone that dials and turns. If you don't know what that is, Google it later. The phone that my kids play with, the toy phone that they have in, the, in, in Toys for and Target, is a smartphone. They've never known a dumb phone. So all through our lives, we know we have opportunities for uh, phones for ill, but also a phone is not all bad, right? Phones can be for good. I am thankful for the heart monitors in hospital. There are these screens that help my wife to deliver our sons safely. We have laptop screens, computer screens that help us to find the, the greatest of content in the Bible about God. There are articles, the podcasts, all sorts of stuff that help us to grow in our faith. I, I'm thankful for projects like Jesus Film Project that shoots these videos about the Bible that distribute all over the world in countries that have no access to the Bible. I remember a couple years ago when we went through the series 40 Days of Prayer. If you remember, I was shooting one day, every single day I shoot a video about different elements of prayer. One t not one time, several times I was taking my kids to basketball practice, and I have some of the parents that that are that somehow were friends with me through Facebook or through Instagram, that they came out and said, well, those videos are super useful. I don't even know if they're Christian. And I have friends that I haven't seen for years who text me and say, man, you should keep putting out those videos. This would be really helpful for my faith. The power of screen is not just for ill, but it can be for good. I personally ex experienced that. And for you as well, computers help you for your homework. Computers help you with, with hopefully in, in some of your Bible reading. And we call this series Redeem the Screen for a reason. 
Because I love that word, redeem. It is one of the most central words in all of Scripture. Because our God is a redeemer. You know what redeem is? Redeem is a picture of getting something broken. Something that's not working. And just like what we say earlier, we restore it and making it beautiful again. See, the screens that we have, they don't have to be used for ill. God can use them for good. And in fact, he can use it to grow you and grow me and bless this world. And what we're going to talk about from today and the next two weeks is that we're going to talk about how we can be mastered over these screens instead of to be mastered by them. That God does not just want to redeem your eternal, to give you eternal life from sin, but he actually wants to redeem what is this world rightfully should be his and use it for good. So what is what we're going to do. We are going to take a look at Romans chapter 12 this week and the next two weeks. We're going to camp out there. We're going to take a look how God wants us to use our screens. And you might be wondering, I don't see the word iPad on there. I don't see the word iPhone. I don't see the word Android in this passage. I think the crazy thing about the Bible, what, what so amazing about the Bible, is that this ancient book that was written thousands of years ago actually has power to speak to your life and my life today. And while it does not have the word iPhone, screens, computer, PC, Windows, Apple, any of that, what it teaches in there influences if we take it seriously. And that's what we're going to look at. Romans chapter 12, if you have your Bible again, let's turn to Romans chapter 12. We're going to read uh, mainly on verse 1 and 2. Here's what it says. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says this. I appeal to you. Here's Paul speaking to the Christians in Rome. It says this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Here's Paul tell us, we need to honor God with our lives. Honor God with our bodies. But before we talked about that, how do we do that? I want you to focus on the first part of that. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. I want you to think, think with me, what is the motivation to use our screen wisely, in a good way, in a, in, in a godly way? Notice what Paul said, the motivation is not because God is this angry God looking to punish you. It does not say by the wrath of God, because God is angry at you, because God is waiting to catch you, so now you better shape up or else you're going to get caught. Nor does it say by the tyranny of God that God is this control freak that he wants to, to control every part of your life, and so now you better do it because he, if you don't do it, he's going to control it for you. The motivation was never out of fear, out of guilt. But I also have grown up in church long enough to know, oftentimes when we talk about topics or behaviors, we tend to use fear and guilt to change our behavior. Right? I remember growing up, it might not be a problem for you, music is a big deal. Back then, you shouldn't listen to rock music because they are of the devil. So we're trying to use fear and guilt. And what I realize is that fear and guilt actually don't change any one of us. When you look at Jesus, he never changed people out of fear and guilt. Jesus changed them by drawing them out of love, with love. I remember when I was younger, there's a personal story from when I was in youth group. There's this really popular book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. So you get the title, 
obviously do not date. That's the premise of that book. And during that time, there, uh, all the parents really want the, the youth group, guess what, the curriculum to be, they don't want their kids to date, they don't want their kids in high school or junior high to date, so they recommend it to those youth group leader, leader and say, hey, we should go through this curriculum. So when you go through that book, there are some of the things, oh, you know, you shouldn't date because you're too young, you want to be mature in Christ, you want to grow in your faith, that's the last thing you should do. And the whole time, the whole few weeks, we, uh, the leaders keep trying to use like fear and guilt, trying to guilt us into not to date, as if there's some disease to dating. When it's done wrong, I think it's bad. And so uh, during that time, I, 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 I was actually dating a girl before that, that series started. That series was so effective in guilting me and making me fearful of dating that I dated that girl two more years. You see, it doesn't work when it's fear and guilt-driven to try and change your behavior. Because Paul says the only way to really change from inside and out is to what? He says, by the mercies of God. Paul is appealing to, the, to his audience, saying, listen, watch, pay attention to the mercies of God. In fact, if you go from Romans chapter 1 all the way to Romans chapter 11, it is all about the mercies of God. And Paul is essentially saying, go read back what I just wrote. Let me give you some, some, some sample of what he wrote. Here's what, what mercy means. is giving us what we don't, uh, not giving us what we deserve. Because Romans chapter 3 says this. For all have sinned and fall short the glory of God. All of us have sinned. Paul said, you and I are not perfect. We all have done something wrong. But here's the good news. Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God said, I sent my son so that you can be paid, your sin can be paid for, and now you can have new life. That's, that's not enough. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says this, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you put your faith in Christ, this mercy extends not just at salvation, it is also extended when you stumble and fall in sin, even as Christians. There is no condemnation because in Christ, you, are, you have the righteousness of Christ in you. And here's where it gets good. Romans chapter 8, verse 38. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can we open up the door a little bit? It's pretty warm in here. So let's uh, get some air in here. And Paul said, now that you have Christ, I've saved you. You can have new life and you have no condemnation. From this point forward, nothing can separate you from God. That is the mercy that Paul is saying, man, this great mercy that's bestowed upon you and I as sinners. And then he went and then that's where he goes back, goes to Romans chapter 12, turning the chapter. He says, now to that mercy that God has shown you, Present your bodies as living sacrifice. So the motivation for you and I to change, to use our screen wisely and in godly manner, is not because God, we need to be fearful of God's judgment. It's not because we'll feel guilty about it. It's because God wants the best for you and I. How we use our screen, this is God's best plan for us to use accordingly that, that will benefit our physical, emotional, spiritual life. And so he said this, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Here's the word I want you to focus on. Living 
sacrifice. Paul used this word intentionally here. It was not because most sacrifice, all sacrifice in the Old Testament is a dead sacrifice. What Paul is saying here is this. Don't offer me the dead stuff. Offer me your whole life. How you live your life is the sacrifice. Your life, every area of your life is a sacrifice to God. You are to put on the altar Every area of your life. There is no, not one area in your life that God said, I don't really not want it from you. And it's not because of the control freak. It's because he knows, look at the last part of this verse, that to offer a living sacrifice, it is a spiritual act of worship. Here's, here's the truth that I need you to get from this passage. Everything that you do not offer as a sacrifice, every area that you do not offer in a sacrifice to God, it becomes your God. Let me run it back. Everything you don't sacrifice and kill and lay before God, that area will eventually become your God because you will eventually worship that thing. And Paul said you need to offer all areas of life. That includes what you say, what you type, what you tweet, what you post, what you like, what you watch, how you use your screen, how much time you use your screen. I like how the message translation has it in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says this. Here is a very loose translation, but I think one that hits the spot of what the verse really means. It says this. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. When you make a sacrifice to God, you're saying, God, you have it. You have jurisdiction over this. You are the Lord over this. And I would say every area of life, we're talking about the screen here. Beyond the screen, every area of life should start right here. That every area, your, 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 your physical life, your emotional life, your school life, your family life, all need to start at this place that says, I'm going to place it before you, God, as an offering. Because when you don't, Whatever you don't lay before God and kill it, like God killed it for you, that will become the God for you. That is called idolatry. I came across this. It's really interesting. Back in the medieval time, you guys are familiar with the, 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 the Knights of Templar, right? Uh, during the crusade time. Uh, kind of dark part of the Christianity history, actually. Uh, but back then, these knights, uh, they would get baptized before they go out for war. Because they thought that they're fighting for Christ. So they get baptized. But what they do is this. They will get baptized with their sword held out of the water. Right? We're talking about baptism. We know that baptized means you're going to be dead and then you'll be raised again. And you know the reason why they keep their sword out? It's because they believe that this part of my life don't need Jesus. So what I'm doing out there in the war, man, it does not concern God. And so baptize every part of me, baptize my soul, but just keep my sword out of, out, out of the water. And I wonder, with the amount of time that we spend on our phone when we get baptized, if it's like today, do we do the same thing and say, God, I'm going to get baptized, but I'm keeping my phone out here. Do not baptize my phone. Well, one, it will kill the battery. But two, this part of my life, you don't need to be in control because I, I'm going to give all my physical body, I'm going to give all my soul to you. But this part of my life, that's out of, out of bounds. 
But Paul tells us, no, there's no part of our life is out of bounds because God owns it all because we belong to God. And it's with that said, Paul went on to verse 2 says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Here are two words I want you to focus on in this verse. The first one is this, conformed. And the second one rhymes with it is transformed. But what I want you to notice is this. I know in the NIV it's not the case, but in, I think a better translation, ESV and NASV is correct. It says, is be conformed. Be transformed. A little English lesson here is a passive tense. That means that it's done to you. So when you do a certain thing, there's a certain result that will come out of it. And here there are two outcomes that Paul tells us. Your life can turn on in two ways. One way is you can be conformed to the world. You know what conforming is? Conforming is really pouring things into a mold and forming something out of the mold. So I get this from, uh, someone got it for our kids, a Lego, a Lego man mold. Now here's what, I, here's what you do, right? So you make a jello or almond jello. What you do is mix the powder with the water and then you pour it in, right? Now once you pour it in, you set it in the fridge and then out come what? Lego man. Now, it does not matter what intent you have. Like, maybe you're making jelly. I really want to make Iron Man. I really want to make Batman. You can have all the intentions in the world. Like, I don't really want to make Lego Man. But the moment you pour that content in here, once it's set, when you flip it over into plate, all you get is what? Lego Man. Let's say it together. Lego Man. It doesn't matter because the moment you pour into that mold, that's what you get. And Paul is giving us this picture. That's kind of how we do with our screen a lot of times, isn't it? We don't intentionally spend a whole lot of time on our phone. We don't intentionally look at contents that we probably shouldn't look at. We don't intentionally misuse our phone, abuse our phone. But it does not matter what intention we have, but the way we live it, we continue to pour, use the phone just like the mold of this world. You follow the pattern of this world. Do not be conformed to the pattern, the way that everyone else is doing in this world. Guess what the result is? You get Lego man. It's amazing to me. For some of you who are youth, I talk to your parents once in a while. It is astonishing to me how your parents can give you a device like this without thinking through the power of this device. How many of us, as a parent, I'm thinking, thinking through that right now, we give these to kids not knowing where this phone can take them, not physically, but on the internet, on the Wi-Fi, on, on, on their bedroom. And for many of us, even as adults, we buy phones easily, but not thinking through, do we use it like the rest of the world? And so there's one way we can turn out where we can be conformed like the world. But Paul said there's another way. In order not to be like Lego man, you need a different mold. It's funny because Paul actually talks about that in another passage. That's that we need to conform to the likeness of who? Jesus. So if you don't want Lego man, what do you need to do? You need to find a mold that makes Batman. If you don't want to live like the world, you need to find a mold that is not the world, which is Jesus. 
You need a completely different mold to use your phone, to use your life, to think differently. It says this, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You need to think differently. That's why Paul tells us we think about what is of Christ. And if you go back to verse 1, here's the filter you use to say, what is the right thing to think about? He says, holy and acceptable to God. Now, we have filters in, you know, in your social media, right? Valencia, whatever filter you want. And Paul gave us a filter here. He says, holy and acceptable to God. Holy and acceptable. I wish he just said evil. It would be easier, right? Like, all right, it's pretty clean cut. But there are some good contents that are not holy. There is some good way of using a phone that's not holy. Right? There are ways that we can use it. Yeah, it's kind of for good, but it's not really what pleasing to him, the way we use it. But Paul said, this is what you need. If you want to live the life that's transformed, you need to live differently with a renewal of mind. Here's what I want to, well, I want to give you a formula up here. Thank you for switching to that. There are two things that affect the way we think. One is how much time we think about these things and what kind of things we think about. The amount of time you think about something is very logical, right? You spend a lot of time. My, my kids grew up in a household with a lot of sports. Guess what they spend a lot of time on doing? Watching sports. Whether they like it or not, they know a lot of sports. Even my four-year-old just, just recently adopted the Seattle Seahawks for no reason. And he can name at least the best player on that team, Russell Wilson. He's at number three. Just because he's exposed so much time to this content. But not only just the time, but also what kind of content it is, right? You, ex- you spend a lot of time uh, doing one thing. You're going to learn a lot more about those things. And here's the thing. The amount of time and the type of content is going to determine, are you going to be conformed to the world? Are you going to be transformed by Christ to be like Christ? We're going to spend the next few weeks talking about the second part, type of content. Today, I just want to spend a few minutes talking about the amount of time that we use our phone. If you have an iPhone, if you have a MacBook, if you have an iPad, if you have an Android, there is an equivalent app called Screen Time. Screen Time is an app that is not for the faint of heart. Okay, if you want to hear how Holy Spirit speaks, Turn that app on and just keep it for a week. It will convict you to your core how much time you literally spend on that phone. It will break it down for you. Do I do that for productivity? First of all, I don't know how they measure productivity. Do you spend it on social media, on on uh, whatever else, uh, entertainment? It will keep track of your time. And if you happen to have an Apple device, it will link all your devices. So you cannot cheat and say, oh, I only spent two hours on my phone. But really, you spent like 20 hours on your iPad. And then a 50 on your laptop. Screen time captures the time that you use. And I want to challenge you. Take a guess right on the paper how many hours do you think you use your screen this week. You, or you will use your screen this week. And turn that app on. Next time, they come back and show the number and see what's the difference. See, we, there's some study I want, I, want to, I want to show you. By the way, I don't want to demonize using screen because there are times that we use the screens for good. And that's fine. But I want us to be aware just the amount of time that we are on our screens. is way more than you think. Try this today, uh, today or later on when you go to school. If you happen to go to the elevator. Walk in there. Take out your phone. Don't do anything. 
See how much time does it take the rest of the people in the elevator to take out their phone. Go into a room, go to a, a, a doctor's office, a waiting room, wait around, and just count on how many seconds does it take for someone who's sitting, don't know anyone. The first thing they do is what? We are constantly on our phone. Eight out of ten Americans carry their phones around a pocket throughout the day guilty. Ninety-one percent of those smartphone owners keep their devices arm's length 24 hours a day, seven days a week. On average, they check their phone more than 8,000 times a year. That, you know how much that is? That's four minutes. You check your phone every four minutes. Every four minutes, you click on it and go, doop. So what's going on? Every four minutes, they're checking their phone. Children spend five hours at least on a typical weekday, on average, on their devices. 68% of people who are 18 and 34, that's collegiates and young adults, not counting the youth in, in high school, said they cannot go without their phone for one hour a day. And it's the same group of people said, 74% of those people said that they go to, the last thing that they see before they go to bed is their phone. The first thing that they see in the morning is their phone. Now, that's not a youth problem. That's not a uh, young adult problem. It's an adult old people problem, too. Because I, I found another study that says 62, use this on your parents, 62 of our parents check their phone the first hour they wake up. They check their email. They text. They check their social media feed. And here's the most crazy thing. New York Times a year ago has an article. This is going to get real personal here. It says this. The article name is The Rise of the toilet texter. Now, don't laugh, okay? Like, don't, don't raise your hand and start confessing here. It says 75% of those who use their mobile, 75% of people use their mobile device while they're on the throne. As if that's not gross enough, here's the other one. A quarter of Americans say that they would not go into the restroom without their phone. They said... This is it. I'm going to draw a line right here. I'm just not going to go in there if my phone is not charged. What am I going to go in the restroom for? What am I going to do by myself in there? I need my phone. Twenty-five, a quarter, One every four people in this country said, I need my phone in order for me to use, take care of my business in the restroom. See, with this crazy amount of time on the screens, then we better ask ourselves this question. Are we the master of the screens or the screens are the master of our lives? I think that's a very serious, I think it's an easy question to answer because we just say, oh, well, no, yeah, I'm master of it. But in reality, are we really the masters of our screens? I want to make two suggestions for us uh, as, an, as a way of application on how to better use our time on the screen. Here's the first one. Redeem the morning. Redeem the morning. What I mean by that is this. Not, I don't say this because many of you know I'm a morning person. By personality, I like to wake up in the morning. But I'm not saying this because of personality. I'm saying this because I see this might not be the gospel truth uh, uh, in the Bible. But if you read through the book of Psalms, I think it's intentional that many of the people who wrote the Psalms describe morning to be a precious time to come before the Lord. Let me just read two verses for you. It says this, Psalm chapter 5, verse 3. I can give you hundreds of verses of these. It says, O Lord, in the morning, you hear my voice. In the morning, I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. 
Psalm 90. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. See, before we step out of our bed, while we, our eyes are barely opening, we can take that phone and have content go right into our hearts. But here's the psalmist, verses upon verses that says we need to come before the Lord and give him the best of our time. Give him the beginning of our time. Give him the first fruit of our, time, of our day. John Piper suggests that there's several reasons why we don't do that. I think some of them might apply to you and me. He said there's several reasons why we pick up the phone first thing in the morning. One is because we want to be first to know. We want to be in the know. So I want to know everything's going on around the world. I want to know what my friends is doing, what I missed out on the night before. That's why I want to click and find out what's going on the first thing. The second thing is this. I want to know what people say about me. Man, I posted something last night. I want to see how many likes I got. Or how many likes I did not get. Another reason might be this. I needed to have a quick fix of entertainment. Because I know the day ahead will be hard. So let me just get my, my fix of entertainment now. Scroll through whatever. I need to watch the video on, 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 on uh, read the article or a video online. So I get some sort of entertainment to start my day. We need some sort of escape because of the responsibility ahead. Oh, baby, you know that you just have a hard day ahead. You have responsibility as a father, as a son, as a daughter, as a student. You just want some escape. And so what we do is we just go in there and let me just get some escape from reality instead. We come, instead, we should come before the Lord because God had promised us a day full of a presence. The song that we sing, none but Jesus. The presence of God is going to be the most precious thing that we have. But yet we turn our minds to a rectangle, glowing box. We turn to that as a poor, cheap substitute to what God freely offers to us. Man, we're like Jacob. Not, not the Jacob in our church. Jacob in the Bible. Everyone started looking at Jacob. Jacob in the Bible. We exchange our spiritual birthright for a pot, for a bowl of pixelated stew. We could have so much better, but yet we settle for a glowing screen instead of a glowing presence of God. So here, just give you three things here. Uh, how do you redeem? First one is this. Leave your screens outside the bedroom. The reason why we turn to it is because it's so accessible. Because you, an arm's length, you can get that phone. Leave it outside the room. Make you walk. That will deter you, right? Second thing. I started doing this. Put your phone on do not disturb mode, meaning no notification, an hour past your normal waking time. You know those notifications on your phone, you go, ding, 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 you just keep going up. They are meant to get your attention. So if you turn those off, guess what? The person who texts you, you can text them back later. You know, the amount of likes, whoever liked your picture, you can also turn to find out later too. If you keep that an hour past your waking time, which leads to the third one, actually have a FaceTime with the Lord in the morning. Come face to face with your maker, with your Lord, with your Savior, with your King. 
Man, there are blessings that he wants to give you through his word, through prayer. There's peace and joy that he wants to give you as you encounter day ahead, no matter how hard it is. Now, it does not mean, though, that you need to be early riser. All these does not require you to be early riser. If you wake up at 6, by all means, if you wake up at 9, you can still do the same thing. You do not have to be early riser to meet with Jesus in the morning. But don't let the cheap substitute of a glowing screen draw your gaze away from the very one that will give you meaning and purpose of life. So redeem the morning. Here's the last one. Participate in the digital detox. I'm going to challenge us as a congregation. And by the way, I will send this also to our Chinese congregation. For the next 21 days, I want to give you a challenge. Each week I will give you one challenge. But what I want you to do is hopefully you can take up that challenge and practice detoxing all the screens that is in your life. So I'm going to give you one challenge this week. Practice it for seven days. Next week, I'm going to give you a different challenge, okay? But then what I want you to do is do it accumulatively. So do the first challenge and the second one and the third one and the third week, and it will end on the very last day, uh, on, the, on the last day of the 21 days, and then we'll do one final challenge. Okay, so what I want you to do is this. For those of you who are younger, you might want to take the lead on this and go home and tell your parents. Today, Pastor Ben challenged us to take a detox. You tell them. I really want to grow in this area of my life. And parents, don't you want to help me? And don't guilt share that. Okay. And encourage them to do it. And ask them, let's do it as a family. Really, let's do it as a family. Let's see how God can use this opportunity to bless us individually, bless us as a family. And I really believe that as we learn to detach ourselves appropriately from the screens, God's going to speak to us. You remember the, the video that we saw earlier? And you guys are laughing, right? All these people are like texting and then going and then they just fall. I wonder how many of us actually are doing that. Because in verse, chapter 12, verse 2 says this at the end. It says, by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. When you be transformed by Christ, you can test and discern what the will of God is. And what happened is many times we're just walking around with our screen, with our head down. We're walking around. The will of God might be right in front of us. We can't even tell. And so we need to keep take our screen, our eyes off of our screen. And when that happens, there is clarity that our ears can hear, that our hearts will be open to what God is doing. And, and here's the beautiful thing about God's will: it says it's good, it's acceptable, it's pleasing. Most importantly, it's perfect. But unfortunately, we are like those people in the video. We are way too glued to what the screens is offering to us. And so we just start hitting the wall and hitting the wall. And we get mad when our phone drops. We start going into the water without knowing what is going on. But I guarantee you God has something far greater for you. Not because I promise, because God promised himself what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And let's take our eyes off the screen. Again, don't do it legalistically. But let's participate. So here's a challenge for us this week. Disconnect from your phone an hour before bed. Don't touch your phone. Don't touch your iPad. Don't. So that, that might require some planning on your part. Right? You may need to do your homework a little earlier. It's like, I need my whole. So again, no, I'm not being legalistic here. But let's set some rules and boundaries that might help us to practice 
time away from the screen. So you might, some of you are like, this is super easy. Then do it. Seven days in a row. Let's not have the phone an hour before you go to bed. And for some of us, that's challenging because we don't know what time I'm going to bed. So you might actually have to decide what time you want to go to bed. And set an hour ahead of time and say, I'm choosing not to use it. And do it with your family. And let's find time together. Let's be in the same room together. This is not easy for me. And by the way, as I'm preaching this, I'm more convicted about my idolatry of my screens. So as I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself. And so let's come before the Lord. Let's commit. Let's offer this in the altar so that the screens would not be the God that we worship, but that we'll worship that real, true God, Jesus Christ. Will you join me in praying? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we commit ourselves to you. Help us to see clearly the mercies that you have poured in our lives every morning. That while we're sinners, you die for us. That you have our best interests in mind. That you've given us the gift of screens, but not to dominate us, but to bless us, to grow us. And so, God, help us to see that as a mercy from you, that you're putting boundaries in the way we use our, our screens. And, God, I pray for every person in this room, and myself included, that this week as we participate, as we struggle and just feeling the urge to reach out to that phone, to turn on my iPad. Lord, would you satisfy our hearts with something far greater? Make your presence known to us. Send people alongside of us. Or use our family to remind us and give us good time together. Help us to meditate on your word. And Lord, resensitize our souls. So that the sweetness of the presence of Jesus would be sufficient. That whatever that we, are, that we sing earlier, none, none but Jesus. That will be true in our lives and we can give you praise upon praise for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.